We'll talk Pat McAfee, Peacock, and go at it as hard as we can. With Christopher Mad Dog Russo as our guest host. And I'm back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. John Oran is off to cover hockey. Our good buddy there, John Arad. Uh, so, special guest, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. You guys all know him. Maybe the greatest sports talk show host of all time. Sirius XM, MLB Network, and ESPN. How are you today, Chris? Hello, Andrew. How you doing, big guy? Things good? Good to be here. Yeah, out. everything's well. Uh, doing well and looking forward to this. We're getting to Peacock game, a little bit of your career. We'll have Carp's Corner, a little fun with him. Uh, championship games, NFL, Miami. Stephen A, you want to talk about? So we'll get to all of it. But first, we'll go who's up and who's down. Who's up? Who's down? We got Mad Dog here. He's ready to go. So here you go, Chris. You take it first with uh, with with who's up. All right. I would do Fox, uh, Andrew, number one, because you got Dallas and you got Green Bay. That's an iconic game. The game itself may not be great, but the rival, you know, Packers and Cowboys, Lombardi, Landry, Ice Bowl, mid-60s. I mean, you can't get a better one than that. A lot of folks thought that might go to um, ESPN on Monday night, but ESPN got the great game last week. So Fox getting that game at 425 on Sunday afternoon, that game's going to get 35 million people. I mean, let's be honest. That's going to have a tremendous rating. That would be up number one. Uh, up number two, how about Tariko? He gets two games in 24 hours. He does the first game on Sunday, Saturday night, the Peacock disaster. We'll get to that in a minute. That's Miami and Kansas City. And then he can fly to his hometown in Detroit. Well, not his hometown, but where he lives right now. And he can watch the and he can do the Lions and Rams on Sunday night. That's a big up for Mike getting the two ups. The one down I came up. How about Buck and Aikman? You think they want Philly and Tampa? On uh, they did Dallas Tampa last year. They did Tampa two years ago uh, against the Eagles on the Sunday game. So somehow, some way, they've gotten Tampa three years in a row on Wild Card Weekend. I am sure Troy with Dallas playing in four twenty four, four twenty five. Bucks going to be thinking about baseball. Eagles and Bucks on Monday night. That is not a big game as far as the Monday Night Football is concerned. And I'll give you another down. How about Ian, who I loved? Ian Eagle doesn't get a postseason football game this year, and his son does. The son does the Cleveland game against Houston Sunday, Saturday afternoon. And because NBC's got three games this weekend, and Nance and Romo are going to gobble up all the oxygen with all the other games, Ian, a number two man, does not do postseason football in 2024. Ian, get ready for Nets Hawks. That's a rough one for Ian. So that's a down. So those are my downs. The two ups with Dallas. And Tariko and the two downs with uh, the obviously the Buck and Aikman Monday night deal and poor Ryan not getting a postseason game. How's that? Well, that, well this is the beauty of having the guest host because just changing the format totally. But we're changing formats. Excellent stuff, uh, as expected. A couple of you know, John Oren never gave me two ups and two downs. He only gave one at a time. Uh, so great job by you. All right, let me do my who's up. Uh, big story this week: Pat McAfee. He gets my who's up because he called ESPN executive Norby Williamson a rat. ESPN said they would handle everything internally. 
And then on the next show, the McAfee had, he talked about it. What I wrote the other day is that he's lost nearly 50% of the first take audience on average since he started, which isn't great. I know you can talk YouTube and all the other social uh, media metrics, and those are important. But what ESPN did afterward was they try to combine everything, which is like putting apples and oranges together and counting everything as apples. Um, so those are kind of some BS numbers. So for McAfee, no ramifications. And he's totally boxed in ESPN because now they've appeased him for saying, calling one of their executives a rat. Um, and then kind of, they said internally that they're going to handle it. They didn't, they, I guess they handled it internally. Then he spoke about it, uh, took a picture of Burke Magnus, who's uh, Norby Williamson's boss, put that on the internet. Uh, so McAfee's the big winner by far in this whole thing thus far. Now we're taping this on Tuesday this afternoon. He's going to have Aaron Rodgers on again. We'll see what happens with that. But right now who's up? is Pat McAfee. Well, you could go the other way with that, too, because, you know, he did not really do a, you know, he put Rodgers, that was a rough spot. And you can certainly say, Aaron, we maybe shouldn't go there with Jimmy Kimmel, number one. Number two, I mean, and listen, Mac does a great job in a lot of ways, but you can't be that sensitive, all right? I mean, he, he is so sensitive. You and him, of course, have gotten into it somewhat. He's mad at you, but he, he's gotten mad at other writers. He's too, let it go. You're making $85 million, whatever you're making. You can't get that wrapped up. When somebody writes something that is not so much that's going to be in your corner, you can't come out swinging and bury everybody. I mean, Norby's a good man. I don't know Bert Mangus, but Norby's a good man. Why would you go out there and, you know, throw gauntlets at him? And remember, the one thing you could say about Mac McAfee, he's got to prove that he can last a long time with a network. You know, whether it's Barstool, whether it's Sirius XM, whether it's FanDuel, you know, he hasn't proved yet that you can stay 10, 5, 10 years. Now, he'll probably kill me for saying this, but it's true. You can probably, you know, you got to stay a little longer here. He hasn't shown yet the ability to be a little long lasting. And this is a case here that ESPN had a rough week. The guy's only been there for four months. It's not like he's been there for five years. So a little odd. And he's been so successful. His model's superb. Why is he getting that worked up about what a rating might say? There's a lot of different ways to interpret it. I think you involved, of course, probably had a little something to do with it because I know you and him have been at it at times. You printing stuff and he doesn't like it. Let it go. It's not that important. So I'm not sure if I would say up with McAfee. I would say you could argue the other way, down with McAfee. He's too much in the news for crying out loud. Too much. All right. Well, my who's down is Norby Williamson. The reason he got called a rat by McAfee on ESPN statement. They'd even say it was inappropriate that McAfee called him a rat. Uh, so they didn't back him there. They said no one cares, you know, about ESPN as much. But I mean, if someone called you a rat, you probably want someone to say, hey, you know what? That's not right. Um, and for me, you know, knowing how all the stories happen, all these stories to see Williamson as the number one trending topic on Twitter last Friday night is kind of amusing. Now, is it possible that Norby is going around Bristol saying that McAfee's show, you know, is not great. And, you know, they, they made a mistake, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, that's possible. I don't know that. Um, but that's possible. So, you know what, uh, maybe that gives some credence to what McAfee said, but McAfee even said he doesn't know, uh, where the story came from and, you know, we can get into this, but if you look at the column I wrote, there's no sources in the story. It's a rating story, which is 
cut and dry. When you look at the linear ratings, uh, they lost 50% of uh, the audience. And then I mentioned it before, you know, Burke Magnus picture with McAfee, which might have been harmless, but, you know, McAfee put it on the internet. That's the day after Norby Williamson reports to Burke Magnus. The day after that happens where he calls him a rat, there's a picture on the internet with Norby's boss standing with McAfee. Clear win for McAfee there, even if it was unintended. Um, so my who's down has to be Norby Williamson. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how to read that. I don't know the inner workings of ESPN like you do, so I'm not sure how ESPN feels about it. Obviously, they in a long-term relationship with, with Pat, and it just started. He's on a college game day over the weekend with the college football, so what are they going to do? I mean, you know, they want to go out there and they want to say something, and they want to, you know, reprimand him. They want to back up Norby. Then you're going to have this becoming a bigger story than it really is. So I think what they probably decided to do is just let it blow over. So I'm not sure if I had read too much into the idea that they didn't have any outward support uh, on Norby Williamson. So I, I'm not sure how to, I mean, I think Norby's well-respected. Everybody loves him. He's very good to me. I I love the guy. But I just think overall, uh, number one, I think you can make the make the case as a host. And I know Rogers is sort of, a, you know, he's getting paid and everything else. You have to correct Rogers. When he said, Aaron, are we, going over, are we going over the top a little bit? Is this crossing the line when he got on Kimmel? He didn't do that. Then he gets upset about the ratings, which you wrote, and he takes it out on Norby. I, I don't know how this is a big week. He got attention, but he gets attention anyway. He's a huge, huge star. So I'm not exactly sure how this make how this makes him look great, to be perfectly honest. Make him look great. It makes him look powerful in the sense of how ESPN has treated the situation is they've given him power because when you look at it, like you don't know, we don't know the workings of the contract, right? But it's a licensing agreement. So that means that uh, Rogers owns the show and then ESPN sells advertising against it on linear TV. And then also um, there's the YouTube and all the other social components, which they're trying to make money off of. And they felt like going into it that they were going to make money on the deal. Um, and if you look at what a show would cost in that, you know, time slot, if you had two hours and you paid everybody, um, you know, it'd be a little, it'd be less than, than the, uh, than what they're probably spending, but it wouldn't, it might not be that much less. So, so they might be able to make uh, money on the deal. I would say this though, when you talk about like linear TV, nobody's going to be able to sustain if you continue to lose nearly 50% of your preceding audience and it's 12% less than what SportsCenter did a year ago. And Colin Coward over on FS1 is coming close to beating you on some days. And so you could argue, okay, it's all these other channels, but ESPN put the McAfee show on linear TV. So if you don't, if you put it on there, then you think it's going to be successful on there. And it might still be. Let's be clear that those ratings could go up. It just started. It's only a few months in, uh, but it is football season, which you would think is bread and butter. And um, as we move out of football season, uh, we'll see in, into the summer, you know, how that show does. Um, but so I, but I think McAfee's in a good situation because um, he's been, he's shown that he can say anything. Uh, he's allowed to swear. You know, he they got rid of the tank tops, I guess, now, but he had the tank tops. Um, he's allowed to do, there's different rules for him, um, and it continues to be that way. And so uh, I think that's a win for him. I know there's some kind of, you know, Dan Ravel said that McAfee's bigger than ESPN, um, and I like Darren, but that's ridiculous. Uh, ESPN's way bitter, bigger than anybody who's working there. Um, it's about the games. And the focus last week was all about McAfee and Rodgers, and they had just come off um, a semifinal of the national championship in college football where they had 
unbelievable ratings, approaching 30 million people. Um, and everyone's talking about McAfee. So again, a win for McAfee overall. And all you guys are different. The talk show host type, um, you know, you, you going back to Jim Rome and you and Mike and, and a lot of Colin Coward, a lot of different styles, Stephen A. Um, you know, McAfee is more of like a wrestling kind of persona and so like kind of getting into these battles a little bit when you listen to the show there's not like a lot of hard opinions on the show it's sort of guys it's like no, it's hanging a celebration out. of football it's a yeah. celebration of football in a lot of ways it is so and then you know he, he he is too he is very sensitive that's what a lot of people say he's very sensitive about anything can't really be this sensitive and when you're this successful and a former nfl player you can't be let it go off your back i know we all have a tendency to get defensive in certain scenarios. I mean, I have many a time in 40 years, but I mean, in his case, with the success he's got, he's on the game day. He's got, as you said, all these outlets. He's got the YouTube making a fortune. I mean, you almost, you can't get worked up about what somebody says, you know, in, in a newspaper or how they interpret it, ratings and everything else. Here's the bottom line. As you said, he's got Aaron Rodgers on every Tuesday. People listen. He's got Saban on there once a week. People listen to that. He's a huge guy. Now, uh, you know, I don't know how to re read the ratings. So as you just said, if you're getting this much power, there's no need to get that upset and to throw somebody like Norbig under the bus. It's just not necessary. That would be my take on that. I would agree. And also, he doesn't even know. He said, I don't know. Um, so it's got to become a big deal. All right, let's move on to topic two, the Peacock game uh, on Saturday night. I uh, got the Chiefs hosting the Dolphins. What's your take on Peacock getting a national game exclusively? Well, here's the first thing. I think the NFL did a terrible job for Miami. They should not be playing in this game, not after they played Sunday night. Uh, they have to travel. Buffalo should be playing in the game. They should have made the decision that whoever won the game on Sunday night gets the home game. In Buffalo's case, they get the home game. And since they don't have to travel, let them play Saturday against Pittsburgh at night and put Miami Sunday at 1 o'clock on CBS with Mahomes. They don't want to do that because Peacock wants Mahomes in there. And since they're the three seed, Miami's the six seed. That's the scenario. Miami got the short end of the stick. That's unlike the NFL. They very rarely put their television situation ahead of the competitive aspect of it, but they gave whatever Peacock paid them to do the game. 110 million. 110 million. That's a lot of money. And they want to sell more of these streaming games. And so they basically made a concession to Peacock. They want Mahomes. we got to give Mahomes. That means Miami's got to go there because they fell into the sixth seed. All right. They played Sunday night to Saturday. It's tough. They're going to deal with it. That's unlike the NFL. They should not have done that to Miami. Now, Miami's not going to say anything. People are going to say, Chris, is it that big a deal? Eh, you can make it. You can say it isn't. But in normal circumstances, historically, the NFL would not have done this. They would not have made a team in a postseason play Sunday night into Saturday night when there was a window on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. But I don't see your point because if uh, Buffalo, but they travel back from Miami on Sunday. But they don't have to go travel to Kansas City. Traveling back to, it's not to, to get on a plane Friday after you played Sunday night to mm. go to Kansas City. That's not fair. That's not fair. They should maybe that's that. the penalty for being the sixth seed and not winning your, your division. Now, you know what that's the penalty for? Getting $110 million for Peacock and Kansas City's the sixth seed and they want Mahomes. That's what the penalty is. 100%. Now, you're right. Now, listen, they want to like, I don't like what the NFL did in that situation. I don't like the idea of selling these playoff games to how much money does the NFL need exactly? 
They're never satisfied. I mean, they need another 110 million. You divide it by the 32 owners, it's 3 million a piece. Is it that Arthur Blank freaking has a cup of coffee? It's $3 million. Is it that big a deal for another $110 million? I mean, I, I don't know. That bothers me to no end. I mean, I have it. I'm certainly going to watch it. And once the game begins, I'm not going to care anymore. But I thought it was a little unfair to Miami to make them have to go play in Kansas City and travel after a late Sunday night game. That's It's a lot easier to get home off a win in Buffalo's case and then play Saturday night without traveling than it is in Miami's case to lose the game and then have to get on a plane Friday to go to Kansas City. I didn't think that was fair. Well, the NFL, they want streaming to work. We saw that with Amazon's schedule this year. It was improved because when you look at the landscape of media going over the next decade or so, uh, and you know, there's going to be, who knows where we're going to be a decade from now. But one of the things that the NFL wants is they want to make sure these streamers are going to spend big money because if it doesn't work when they stream these games, then you're stuck with broadcast TV, decline of cable, and it's not necessarily going to be a perfect scenario for them. So they want to create a environment. So that's what they're doing there. I understand. Well, but, but is it that what they had to give Mahomes? They couldn't give CBS Mahomes on Sunday. But what do you want? You think you want you want uh, Texans and Browns there? Well, the, no, you should put Pittsburgh and Buffalo there. But that's a pretty good matchup. Pittsburgh's well, a national but yeah, team. But there's no sex. Nobody wants to see Mason Rudolph play. There's no sex appeal to that game. And you're right. But it also would be zero degrees, though. But but Chris, it's going to be, I mean, it's cold in Buffalo no matter what. But a Saturday night in Buffalo is not going to be exactly uh, warm weather. But they have played Saturday night in Buffalo before. New England played a Saturday night in Buffalo last year. My uh, So they have played that Saturday night game in Buffalo in the past. And the NFL could care less about whether the fans freeze. They're not interested in the fans. They don't, they don't care about the fans. I didn't like it. That's me. I understand Buffalo would have had to travel too. They traveled Sunday night. I did not like it. Now, as far as the actual scenario of the streaming services getting playoff games, I'm not in love with that either. I hate the games on the streaming. You can't switch back on your remote. I didn't watch a lot of the Thursday night games anyway. It kind of drives you a little crazy. Um, and, you know, to me, how much money can the NFL make? They got $110 million. It's $3 million a team. Really, guys? We're going to make sure that John Mara makes another $3 million to put a game on the Peacock? His father would freaking in his grave would go, well, this is ridiculous. His father wanted to play Sunday at 1 o'clock at the old Polo Grounds, for crying out loud, when the, when the Giants used to play there. To me, it's another money grab. It's a little much to me. And plus, NBC got three games this weekend which can't make CBS and Fox happy because they got the two on Saturday and they got the Sunday night game. So they got three games. But they paid for them. I mean, they paid the 100 well, They paid for the one extra one. They, they paid, paid for the one extra. extra. And then in the existing deals, they got the extra playoff game as well. So they're, you know, over-indexing on the, uh, on the playoff games. And they usually even things out as they go, you know, they try to make it even as they go through. I mean, obviously, the championship games are they rest with CBS and Fox in terms of the AFC. And I think they tried to even it out for ESPN. ESPN got a good game on last weekend. They got the only knockout game we had in Houston and the Colts. They got that game standalone game. They also got Pittsburgh in the afternoon. And, you know, you can mention that they got to put the four or five game there. No, they don't on Monday. They, they don't have to put the four or five game there. And uh, to me, uh, you know, they got the worst game of the weekend. I mean, the Bucks eagles game, that can, there was no juice to that game whatsoever. The only juice to the game is to see if the Eagles recover up on awful performance. Nobody wants to see, nobody wants to see the NFC or the AFC South play is what it comes down to. Those divisions are bad. And, you know, those, and nobody wants those games. And ESPN, to me, got a bad one on Monday night, to me. 
Now let's bring in Austin Carp. This is a thing we call Carp's Carp's Corner. Corner. Carp's Corner. Corner. And we bring in Austin Carp. He's the ratings guru for the Sports Business Journal. We're going to have some fun with, with Austin. All right, Austin, let's first talk Pat McAfee and the ratings. You know, ESPN had a release where I think they said it was like he has 885,000 views or something per show. Uh, And when, you know, that's not really traditionally how you do ratings. It's Nielsen ratings. And then, yeah, obviously you can look at TikTok and YouTube and all that stuff. What's your take on them just like putting all these numbers together? Well, I, I, I had a big eye roll because I'm sure every property, every show would like to incorporate their social media numbers into what they're also getting on linear TV. But if you look at that number in December, like you were talking about, around 886, that's what they said. I'm thinking the NBA could do around 25 million a game if you're talking about everybody watching dunks across, of all, the, across all social media platforms. But the number you need to know that, you, that they put in the release was around 332,000 viewers in the month of December for McAfee. What is that? It's an it's a an episode of Sports Center. It's an episode of one of their morning shows. That's what that show is typically doing. It's in the range of what else ESPN is doing for studio shows. And then when you look at the YouTube and the TikTok and all that stuff, I mean, th- those aren't even independently done, right? I mean, that's not. So like, no, how, I mean, how much? Uh, you know, how do we verify that? Are those? You know, how much ferocity do you put to those? Not much yet. Unless you have like some third-party verification, you're kind of just, it feels like you're pulling it out of, out of thin air. Especially when you talk about, oh, uh, it did this across ESPN+. I've never seen a number pulled out of ESPN+. They haven't released that for anything else out there. Why should I start using that number now? Okay? Is the future something where you do incorporate how something is doing on social media plus TV? Yeah, I think in the future there could be something like that. If there is third-party measurement, if it's verifiable, because you're going to want advertisers to know that bigger number, how many people are you actually reaching? Are we there yet? No. So I was very surprised to see ESPN go with such a big number for McAfee there. Now, Chris had some thoughts about the NFL schedule this weekend. Uh, Austin, I'm sure you've looked at it. Chris, what, what's your, your biggest takeaway is that Saturday night game, right? Yeah, well, for me, I mean, uh, you know, first off, Green Bay Dallas is going to get a huge rating on yeah. at 425, that 425 window. And then you got the Lions-Rams after that. So it's, you're going to be into the football mode. They're going to do really well Sunday. Uh, the Saturday night thing with uh, Peacock, I mean, there'd be people who just not watch it out of principle. Uh, it is a Saturday night. Uh, they just saw Miami, but Mahomes will bring some eyeballs to the sets. It is an NFL playoff game. You know, they may, they're may they not going to do as well as Saturday. Sunday, they're going to do great. Saturday, they won't do as well. I'm going to let you guys tell me how many people will, you know, obviously see it on Peacock. I mean, I got to figure, what, 22, 23 million? Oh, we, we will get an over-under game. We are going to do the over-under game. All right, so wait, Chris, you're putting the number at 22 million? Yeah, I'll do Peacock? that. I'll yeah. take the under. You'll take the under. Yes. Austin? I'm going slightly under. Yeah, 20 million. If you figure, 20 million. you know, the, the best NFL streaming audience so far uh, for a streaming only game is around 15, 15 and a half million viewers. It better get 20 million viewers to justify putting this type of game, a playoff game, on Peacock. So Austin says 20. Okay. All right. Before you go, we're going to do all, we're going to do the, we were going to do, we're going to do the over under game. Okay. We were hoping that the ratings for this past week are in. It's going to be, Austin, you're you're Mike Francesa, Chris, you're yourself. Um, this weekend, okay, the late game, Cowboys Packers on Fox. I'm gonna put the number. I'm gonna we're do a little bit differently than than you guys used to do back in the day, Chris. I'm gonna put the number at 32 million. You got the over? Or you got the under? I'm gonna go over. I'll go over. Um, you know, uh, I'm not sure about the weather. 
but Green Bay's a national team. Dallas is a magnet. Uh, 425, people are going to settle in the football. Now, listen, the game needs to be close. So, you know, part of it is the game itself. If it's 45-10, you're going to lose interest. But Thanksgiving, what did that commander game do with them? 44 million people, was that what it was? And that game was a blowout. This is a playoff game on a Sunday. I'll go north of 32, over. I'm also going over. I don't think the NFL could have asked for a better matchup in that window. The Packers completely overperformed, and the, the NFL was given a gift by having Packers, Cowboys in that Sunday 4.30 window. It's traditionally the biggest window of the weekend. I think it's going to continue to be that. I think it's going to draw well north of $32 million. All right, last one, then we'll let Austin go. Monday night football, what number do you have uh, for that? It, Chris said it's a dog game. Uh, we got the Eagles and the Buccaneers. Um, I'll put the over-under. Let's put the over-under at $25 million there. Yeah, I would have said 26. Um, you know, the game will be close. Philly's a big market. It's Monday night in January. Uh, I'll go slightly over. I'll say they do about 27, 28 million. So I'll go slightly. They won't hit 30, but I would go over on that. I'm going to go slightly under. I think that fewer people are interested in the, in the Eagles. The story has gone the complete opposite direction this season. Uh, if you look at the, the Buccaneers, they're just not a national team anymore. Without Tom Brady there, that is not a national draw. They were not highlighted pretty much at all on national TV this year. I'm going slightly under, maybe closer to $23-24 million on that one. All right, Austin Carp, appreciate it as always. Corpse Corner! Chris, that, that, the reason I wanted to do the overrun, I mean, one of the all-time things you and Mike did was every Monday during, I think, football season, you guys would do the ratings. And back then, I mean, I was a kid when I first started listening to that. Um, I, I don't know if anybody really understands what a 4.1 meant, but for some reason, it was so entertaining. And you did something today, and I was so happy. I mean, I'm sure my loyal Mike and the Mad Dog listeners uh, were caught it. You're like, well, it depends on the weather. Because you used to go, you give you give Mike the you give Mike the the number. You say, "Oh, Mike, what do you think about Patriots Jets?" And then you'd go, "Well, you got the weather. You got then you'd say it was in, you know snowing on the Northeast." Uh, and then the thing I loved about it is Mike would like get it right, right? And you acted as if he just like invented the car. It was it was unbelievable. Your, your excitement level uh, for that segment was always uh, just tremendous energy. I love to do it. The other one that people got into was the over unders for the season. You know, we used to do that every year before the three seasons, the football, the baseball, and the basketball, pick the over-unders for the year, and we used to keep a track of that. So we got into that, too. It was a way to break it up a little bit. It was a way to get 10, 12 minutes, get a segment out of it. But you're right. We love the ratings. I still love the ratings. And it's, it took me a while, Andrew, to sort of make the change, the switch from the rating specific, you know, 4.1, 8.1, whatever it might be, to actual millions. So now I know what the, I have a sense of the, the amount of people with the millions. In the old days, I didn't care so much about how many people I was into the actual number. Now it's about the, the actual total. So it's a little different and I've made that adjustment, but I love the ratings. I mean, I've always gotten into it. Uh, but and obviously the NFL is king. What they have about forty of the top fifty shows last year, as far as the ratings are concerned. Yep. I mean something crazy, and they're going to do really well here. You know they'll probably crack a hundred million at the Super Bowl. Uh, you know they swallow up everything. Would they kill the NBA at Christmas? Was it all the NBA games on Christmas Day did not equal the worst of the three games? 
on the NF uh, on the NFL that day. Is that what it was? If you added yep. up all the NF NBA games on Christmas Day, it got it didn't even equal the worst of the three games for the NFL. That tells you what you need to know and the powerful and the uniqueness of the NFL brand. It's killed baseball in October. You know, they got to go up against the NFL. That's a major problem. It kills the NBA at Christmas. You know, uh, football is king. I mean, it's really a, we are a one nation sport right now with the NFL throwing a little college and the other sports are, uh, are strapping for little tidbits, you know, whether it's baseball, the basketball and everything else. That's how powerful the NFL is. It really yeah, is. I think 92 of the top 100 shows last year. 92 of the number. top 100. I think that's the number um, that they that they had. Now, and look at your career now. I mean, we're going to go a little bit into to, to, to Mad Dog's career. Um, and I've kind of written it like, look, I don't want to make this. I'm liking them versus the Mad Dog thing. But I do think you kind of Tom Brady'd to, to Mike's Peyton Manning's his career because, you know, you had Mike and the Mad Dog together. Then Mike did hang on for a while and, you know, the ratings stayed the same, but you went to Sirius. I think there were a time there where it was a little bit a little dicey, little radio nowhere kind of thing, as you say at the beginning of your show, little radio nowhere. Then you had the MLB network. Um, and now this latest is ESPN, which has really kind of changed things again for you here as you're in your mid sixties. Um, what has it been like for you the last year, year and a half uh, with the ESPN thing? And, 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 you know, now I, and obviously just the, the, you know, overall, when you look at post Mike and the mad dog, well, I remember, I'm five years younger than Mike, so I had five extra years to work with. Um, you know, I know that was, uh, I know a lot of people thought as a risk when I went to Sirius, um, and I looked at it from a creative standpoint. Um, you know, the MLB Network was an add-on. Uh, it was fun. I love baseball. Uh, Tony Petiti, who doesn't love baseball on a day-to-day -day basis? They make it so easy for me. That's number two. And then the first take thing was, you know, came out of nowhere, left field. You know, I mean... Uh, Stephen A has always looked up to me for whatever the reason, you know, he grew up in Hollis, you know, he likes to talk radio, likes to debate format. He listened to Mike and Mad Dog, Mike and the Mad Dog for a long time. And, you know, who would have thought at 60, whatever it might be, 61, 62 years of age. I aged you a little bit. I said, yeah, I aged you a little bit. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I'm, I was 62 when it started. Oh, okay, got it. Now. Okay. Oh, so who would have thought that at 62 years of age? You know, but that I would have had this little renaissance. But I think I provide something for ESPN where I can appeal to or maybe a different segment of the audience that they're not going to necessarily have the appeal to the older guy, you know, uh, the the get off my lawn type of guy. And I think they didn't have that. So I think that I've been able to fill that void, which is important. But the one thing I've learned more than anything else about working on that show is that whatever you say on that show, you're going to get a ton of attention. I mean, if you get into the ESPN machine where, you know, they see something that's funny or goofy or what I'm mad about, where they put it, I mean, you you get cycled in so many different places that people, either they just pick up on it. I say a lot of the same things on ESPN that I said on the radio the last 10, 30, 40 years. But, you know, I don't have nearly the amount of impact on the radio. It's a different kind of audience. It's a little more specified. You're saying on ESPN, oh, my God, the whole world picks up on it at least in the sports uh, category. And I think that's the biggest adjustment you got to make. You got to realize, geez, when you go on there and you do three or four segments of what you're mad about, and that's the thing that people seem to catch on, uh, you know, it's amazing the amount of juice it can have. And that's a lot of it has to do with the ESPN power. And when they put you in that, you know, that compliance,
compart that what you know the uh, car wash. They put you here. They put you there. They put you here. All of a sudden, you know, a particular segment like that can take off. That's the thing that I've learned more than anything else. Sixty-two years of age. After you've worked for 35, 38 years, you never thought that you would appeal to a totally different audience. You know, late in late in your broadcasting life. And that's what the ESPN first take is done. And he's great. I mean, let's be honest. And he is very good because he gives me a chance to do what I want to do. And I almost look at the the role as to give him a little break. You know, being on there every day is not that easy. And plus, and a lot of times he's doing it from L.A., which means he's up at 7 o'clock in the morning getting riled up and doing a TV talk show at 7 a.m. That's not that at 4.30 a.m. conference calls. That is not that easy. So I kind of feel on the Wednesday, if I can take a little load off them, you know, that's part of my uh, that's part of my responsibility. So it's been a huge find. I mean, I kind of look at it this way. You know, I had a Mike and a Mad Dog career, which was very successful. I had a serious career, which was very successful for a little MLB. And now I've had this third upswing with this first take thing. So I've been lucky that I've almost had three lives doing this. So, I mean, very, very fortunate, right place, right time. And, you know, the ability that you have to have as a talk show host to me and to be a real good one and to last a long time, you have to be able to appeal to a variety of segments of the population. You know, you probably don't need to turn to last a long time. There's, you got to appeal to the young fan, the older fan, the, the Mrs., the Mr., uh, uh, African-American, white. There's a lot of different aspects of the fandom that you have to somehow appeal to. And with all the avenues that I have right now, radio audience, a baseball audience, a first take audience, I've been able to appeal to those segments. And that's why I've had a little run here in the last whatever it might be. Plus the fact I got a lot of the media guys who get a kick out of me. Jimmy Trainer, for instance, you get a kick out of me. Raceman's still kicking around. So from that standpoint, I have people watching me who who write about it and talk about it. So it's a, it's a big plus. I've been very, very lucky here the last two and a half years. So here's something I've written before that you you have a screw missing, but it's a good screw to be missing for a talk show host. Okay. So that's yeah. a, so my question for you is this, when you do the, you know, what you're mad about first take thing, one of the things that stands out is how close you get to the camera. Right. Um, was that again? No, I think, no. Like, Go ahead. How did that I, come I, about? I, not planned. It, it just evolved into it evolved into that. It's like when I do a radio show, a lot of times I get close to that microphone. You know, it, it's my way of getting closer to the people watching or listening to the show. I don't feel distant when I'm right on top of them. They it's almost like there's a little bit more of a, a chain, a togetherness. And, you know, I now I understand that that has become a little add on how close he gets to that dopey camera. So now I'm going to be, I'm going to be smart about it. I'm going to embellish that aspect of it and I'll follow that camera all the way around. But, you know, I think that segment for me on Wednesdays is an important segment. I think people kind of, my audience looks forward to it. I try to save some stuff for that, that I don't do anywhere else. So I don't repeat it 3000 different times. I try to do that. They got good producers who know what they're trying to get out of it. Uh, you know, who know me from the radio days, the ESPN producers. So there's an element of that that I really get a kick out. Hey, listen, let's be honest. First Take has been a huge hit for me. I give all the credit in the world to Stephen A. 
ESPN lets me do essentially what I want to do. They don't control it. They say, hey, Chris, go ahead. You want to do that? I mean, I'm smart not to go too crazy, but I even got on some ESPN stuff and they don't really have a problem with it. So I'm able to do that. And, you know, the radio is the bread and butter. That's what you really enjoy. You're on three hours every day. The radio and the and the MLB is sort of a, a niche thing, but I love the baseball. But the, but the first take is sort of a national thing. And it's amazing the amount of people who pick up on it who see me in the airports, you know, at remotes. They, they, they know who the Mad Dog is now based on first take, and they don't listen to the radio or watch the baseball. So it's provided a different audience for me. It really has. And do you think you'll add more to ESPN? I, I don't think I, I think the one day a week is perfect. Okay. You know, I, I, so from a first take standpoint, I think it's perfect, but here is something that is interesting. I'll give you a little something you'll find interesting. Remember when I did that gummies thing in September? Yes. When my wife was visiting our kids in college and, you know, I said it in the production meeting. So Molly set me up for it because and I didn't think she would. I know what I'm going to do this weekend. Did you know that I did that on a Wednesday and did you know the NFL countdown, the producers called me up to have me go to a studio in Norwalk to do a two and a half minute Jet Patriots. I did. Segment. I saw that. I saw that. And yeah. you know, and, and I, they said, Chris, please end with gummies on the weekend. So it it's amazing. I mean, how many people is, let's be fair. How many people can get on national TV and say that her daughter, that his daughter bought him gummies for Christmas? On Not Disney? many. Not many. Not many, many would choose to as well. Not many yeah, would choose I, to. That's right. People would be a little bit more judicious yeah. about providing that information. I don't care necessarily. And I think that's why people still like me is the key word for me. That's important is authentic. Yep. hundred percent. And passion and passion. I think authenticity and passion. I think that's the thing. I think you have to care who the second baseman of the Cubs is always. If you're a talk show host, I'm not saying that you're talking about that, but you need to care about that. And when you start to fake it and people do, because when you do it for a long time, the games can kind of, you know, there's things that come along with the job. They're all great jobs. And, you know, um, we're all lucky to be in sports, but you know, they can be hard in some respects for, for a variety of reasons. And even a talk show host, you can get, you know, people get bored. You don't seem bored by the games. You're, you're into it and you want to watch, um, which, and, and, and talk about them. And, and I think that is really what makes it. So you've had, you know, decades and decades and decades. And and I'll tell you what helps. And I hate to say this and I hate to admit it because it's, I wouldn't have said this 30 years ago. Betting helps. There's no way around it. I mean, and betting is such an important component of uh, the sports world today. I mean, you know, everybody puts the odds on it. You know, what's FanDuel say over under and all that. Everybody puts that on there. And, you know, 30, 40 years ago, although, well, not that. Yeah, 30 years ago, Mike and I would do the lines, work with the lines. But when Mike and I started, I can remember the the times and whenever we put the lines in. And the NFL would get mad at me and Mike when we made the picks on Friday that we did the lines. Well, that's minus three and a half. This is back in 1990. So, and I never bet like that in 1990. Now you bet more and it does keep you, I hate to say it because, you know, you like to be a little bit more uh, realistic. You know, you like to, you know, feel the passion from within that you care about the game, but betting is a factor. There's no way around it. It's a factor for me to stay this involved this long Betting helps. I'm not going to dispute it. It's almost a, it's almost an occupational hazard and you don't win. You never win, but it's almost an occupational hazard. And that's just, and if people don't like it, what can I tell you? That's the way it is. I'm 64 years of age. I've been watching these games for 40 years. 
If this helps me get more involved in the games, that means it helps the show because, as you said, I'll be more passionate about the games because I'm more focused on the games because I might have some money on it. Yeah, so it gives helps. a little juice. It gives you a little it gives juice. gives me a little juice. It gives me a little juice. Yeah. 100%. Well, listen, this has been a pleasure. Uh, from who's up, who's down, a topics. We brought in Austin Carp. Uh, Chris, like, like I said, I mean, I might write it one day. I got to really think about it fully, but um, I think there's a pretty good argument to be made. You're the best sports talk host of all time. Well, I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not like saying I'm the best president of all time. So let's, let's keep that in mind. It's a different kind of <laughs> occupation. It is a different it's category. A different, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I mean, I don't know. I have to think about it fully. Um, but, uh, but I think you can make that argument for, you're definitely in the, con- well, here's the key here's the word for me. And I think about this a lot. You know what I like yeah. to do more than anything else? What's that? I like to perform. Yep. I like to get on a stage. You know, I, all those Letterman appearances. Yeah. I like to get on a stage and perform. And as long as I still like doing that, I'll still do it. Well, from Letterman to the Marshan and Oran, without Oran, sports media podcast, you're really, career's going in the right direction. Uh, but uh, we really, I do appreciate it. And you uh, do a great job, man. You do thank a great you. job. No matter what Pat McAfee says, our pal, you do a great He's, job. We've been good. That, Pat and I have been good, I, I thought, at times. And I've reached out to him when there's the news. Uh, you know, the last, the previous story, he confirmed what I was writing about him, you know, paying Aaron Rodgers, et cetera. So, what you know that's part of that's a occupational hazard that comes along with the job but chris i appreciate it we had a run-ins back in the day i had a run-in with my old nemesis we so, did we uh, had a couple but i think overall we've been pretty good the whole game. yeah we have we have we have we have. I, I mean we did have a couple we had a couple but, but it, overall, it was more with the uh it was, more, it was more with your partner um or ex-partner so uh all right well chris thank you very much good job andrew keep in touch all thank right you. talk to you all right thank you all right that was fun um as always want to thank ac wyatt and the master of the board, Chris Mason. Um, you know, those asking about the pod, still in question. Not sure when we'll have an answer, what exactly is going to go on. Appreciate you keep listening. And special thanks to Chris Russo uh, for, uh, for joining us today. So thanks, everybody. And I'm back. The Marshan and Oran sports media columnist. Oh, my God. <laughs> Should work on